Hello! Welcome to another episode of the Sports Nook, where we talk to exceptional athletes, learn about different sports, as well as their journeys to representing the Philippines locally and internationally. My name is Mike Valera. That's right, and my name is Isa Chong. For last episode, in case you missed it, we talked to two-time Olympian Jesse Lacuna about competitive swimming and his journey to greatness. And if you need some inspiration and want to see where hard work and perseverance can take you, you can check that out and all our past episodes on Facebook or Spotify, the Sports Nook PH. And parts of our episodes will also be aired on Q Radio 105.1. And now... We're eager to cover a new sport with another guest, so let's get right to it. Our amazing athlete for today is the lone female representative of Cebol Philippines, the national esports team, a Hearthstone player and caster, and the grand champion of the WSOE or World Showdown of Esports 2 and 5. Let's welcome to the show, Gia D. Hi, hey, everybody. Gia. Happy to be here. Yay! Alam mo, bago-bago tayo mag-continue. Mike, it's Seaball! <laughs> I said Seaball! What did I say? Seaball yung narinig ko eh. <laughs> Let me change it. Blossom! <laughs> so anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, Gia, and for making the time to be on the show. So esports is relatively a new sport, and we're so excited to spend time talking about it with you. But first and foremost, how have you been? Have you found every uh, anything new to do this quarantine? Um, new in the sense of different games, but not new in the sense that I'm still playing games. Um, yeah. I'm good. Thank you so much. Um, Siyempre, lockdown times is difficult for many people, but I guess I'm very, very lucky and blessed that my job is still able to continue even from yeah. home. That sounds so much fun, actually. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned how you've been picking up uh, different games. What, what kind of stuff have you been playing? Uh, so there's two games that are really trending right now. It's called uh, one of them is called Fall Guys. I don't know if oh, yeah. you have heard of it, but it's all over Twitter, Facebook. Yung mukang bean na tao. There's like 60 of them, and they do oh, like I an obstacle course. Yeah, and the other one I'm playing is called Among Us. Also trending right now. Uh-huh. It's kind of like mafia or werewolf, but in a computer game format. Wow, yeah, that's, yeah. that's fun. I know what I'm gonna do after this interview. Oh, I said personally, my Wi-Fi is so bad. The only game I can play, is, you know, the dinosaur in Google Chrome. Oh my god! <laughs> on, yeah, on the internet, reach so far away. There's like obstacles from the top and the bottom. So that's that's how legit I am at that at that particular game. Making Angry Birds. <laughs> 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 I was asking Mike yesterday if he actually plays games. So that's the answer to that. <laughs> I've only ever gotten the patience to play Super Mario games or Animal Crossing. Oh, I love Animal has, Crossing. <laughs> it's gotten me by and kept me sane throughout this half-year-long quarantine so far. So, <laughs> yeah. So you, you play Hearthstone. Gia, and for those who are not familiar with that game, we'd like to know also, very quickly, how is it played? Um, Can you tell us the simplest way you can? Okay, so Hearthstone is a collectible card game, well, digital. And if you've ever heard of Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic, a lot of the fundamental principles are the same. But basically, it's one-on-one. You have 30 health, your opponent has 30 health, and you have a deck of 30 cards. And then you draw those cards, and you either summon creatures or play spells. And you strategize in order to be the first one to lower your opponent's health to zero. It's very similar to other card games in the most basic shell of it, at least. Gotcha. 
It makes sense. You know, I've I've always had a lot of appreciation for people like you who can use who know how to use those cards. See, when I was younger, all I did was buy the Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and I just wanted to see collect the ones that look nice, even though they're Honestly, pretty bad. Oh, Rin, but with Pokemon, <laughs> I never really played the Pokemon trading card game. Pero kinu collect ko lang din kasi I, I don't know. I love Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> same. Uh, so, uh, Gia, you mentioned Kanina how you've been kind of relatively blessed because things have still been going on despite everything happening around the world. So uh, the one can expect that you've been very busy in terms of the field of Hearthstone. Are there any competitions or things you've been doing lately? So actually, even before the SEA Games, I was mainly a commentator for Hearthstone or caster as we call it. And right now I'm back on mainly doing that. I'm not really competing right now and focusing more on Hearthstone Grandmasters as a caster. So every weekend we go live and I just talk about the game and it's really lucky for me that I got to talk about video games for a living. Nice. That's so much, so much fun. And ang sarap pakinggan ng bosses mo, Gia. You should also oh, do radio well, like us. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? With those pieces of information in mind, we're going to move on to the first part of the show where we go deeper into the world of uh, esports or in this case, uh, Hearthstone in a segment we call the Layman's Nook. You were able to talk a little bit about Hearthstone earlier. But uh, right now, we're excited to talk about esports and maybe later on debunk some myths with our expert athlete, Gia. I don't think there's really a need to explain what esports is, but maybe for the benefit for those who have no idea what it is, how do you exactly compete in esports? So the term esports casts a very wide net, in my opinion. You can re- use it to refer to the whole esports industry. You can refer it to the like just as a discipline, as how we used it in Seabol. And even I myself am not sure that I would call it like a classification of sport the same way as soccer or basketball, etc. I just look at it as you know the competitive video game industry as a whole. And um, as to how to get started in it, there's plenty of different ways. I think the most common story and my own story started mm-hmm. with casual competitions. There's going to be, like, if you look hard enough in most major cities, there's going to be a few people that organize local competitions or yeah. more likely online now that we're, you know, all trying to stay home for the lockdown. And um, yeah, if you just take it further, you keep competing. Sometimes you can make it to the higher levels. And then at some point, it becomes, uh, it can become a career. Yeah. Since you brought it up, like what what gave you the push to say now, oh, there's a competition happening there. How about I give it a shot? I'm assuming that's what you did. Mm. That's how you got into this. The very first, I suppose, like in-person competition that I joined for Hearthstone was um, actually near my college. Uh, malapit lang sa UP. It was in Saviorville. There's like a little board game cafe that would have weekly for Hearthstone. It's called Fireside Gatherings yeah. because the aesthetic of Hearthstone is like you're in a tavern, etc. So um, we would go there, and the owner would host these tournaments around 12 to 20 people every week. And for mostly the prices were, you know. A small amount of cash or like free drinks and so i would just go there for the community and just to have some experience competing and after um going there a bunch of times i was eventually asked if i wanted to cast an event at um sm north i think and then i did that and then from there they asked me if i wanted to cast 
an event in MOA, and from there I got recommended to cast an actual Blizzard event. So it was actually a very, it, it escalated very quickly for me, I would say, right place, right time. But the way I started is the same as everybody else, just looking for a place to meet people that have your own interests and also try competing because it's really fun. The spirit of, you know, loving video games is loving competition also. Yeah, you know what, we're, we're going to go back to uh, talking about esports, Gia. Um, as far as I know, the categories under esports, like you mentioned kanina, kasi masyado siya malawak eh. There's so many under esports. In this Sea uh, Games itself, um, esports includes um, PC, console, and mobile, each featuring two games. So there are six titles in total. Uh, mobile Legends, Bang Bang, Arena of Valor, Dota 2, StarCraft 2, Tekken 7, and Hearthstone. Um, so that's just a fun fact for everyone who don't know what the, the titles under esports are but yeah so gia almost every millennial or gen z plays or has played video games at some point but mm -hmm. how does one really get to be a professional gamer or how do you transition from playing video games for fun to playing it competitively yeah i think the point where you can define yourself as a professional kind of varies depending on who you ask but for me i would define it as when you're actually earning income from yeah. playing video games even then, it's hard to coin that as a pro gamer kaagad-agad. Let, let's say I just joined one tournament one time and I placed fourth. I made 200 pesos, something like that. I still wouldn't call that pro. Maybe you're like semi-pro. But um, for sure, you can call someone a pro gamer if they're signed with a team to play for them okay. professionally. For example, my team is Bren Esports right now. Um, so that's one definition. And how to transition from casual to pro gaming is... Uh, I suppose you have to either win a significant tournament or place well in a significant tournament or get signed with the team. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And on the topic of teams, I think one of the most famous right now is, let me make sure I say it correctly, Sibol. 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 Second try. I have to stop uh, to make sure I said it right. Um, so in terms of Sibol, uh, oh, I think it's, <laughs> it's a blossom. Okay. I have a, um, I have a I have a hint for you. It's like seagull, but make it ball yeah. instead. Uh, seagull. Seagull. Okay. Work. In terms of seagull, yeah. that's, <laughs> see, that's why you're such a good caster. You can think quick on your feet. <laughs> Thank you. Thank properly. you. Great job. So, in terms of seagull and, and the national team too, how is the selection process? How does it usually go? So actually, Team Seaball is not a permanent entity, I would say, in the way that, say, Bren Esports or Playbook Esports is a team in the Philippines that's constantly active. Team Seaball was formed for the Sea Games, yeah. uh, specifically. And um, to recruit all of the players, it was either they uh, we were invited or um, played in open tournaments to try and qualify. And then those invites and qualify players entered a training pool where we had tournaments amongst ourselves and from that training pool it was narrowed down to the final roster so there's like several stages before we okay. confirmed who's actually playing in the sea games all right but outside of that every game itself like for example for hearthstone you also have um your own teams no outside of seaball am i correct mm. like yeah um so okay. <laughs> Um, for example, 
let's talk about international teams. They have yeah. very big branding, so you might have heard of like just now G2 won a major tournament in League of Legends. Then you might have heard of Fnatic. There's Pinoy players on that team or TNC. They're very famous in Dota. Uh, previously, Mineski. Those are all organizations for esports. Got it. Okay, that's why I'm I'm such a layman when it comes to this. So I'm learning so much from you, know, Gia. No but problem. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you for sharing that and clarifying that. Um, also, uh, I'm assuming that okay, when it comes to esports, the biggest part of the body that one uses for gaming is actually the brain because gaming, I assume, requires mental stamina most of all. But uh, what are other traits that can help a pro gamer excel? Hmm. Well, for one, it helps to be smart, for sure. But yeah. of course, there's many ways of defining intelligence, right? Like, you can be bad at math, but excel at one game. Um, in my game, I would have to say you'd have to be pretty good at math or just like simple arithmetic quick in your head. Um, then it really helps to have quick reflexes for certain games. Yet again, not all of them, but most of them, you'll need quick reflexes and APM or actions per minute is very relevant in games like StarCraft. So if you're good at you know, hand-eye coordination and just yeah. have very quick motor skills that is very helpful for gaming. Nice. But is there also, would you say there is also a physical aspect to professional gaming? Because clearly you need to be able to sit through long periods of time, but how much does physical health or fitness uh, contribute to a pro gamer's performance? I think that varies from person to person. If I'm going to be completely honest, I am not a very active person mm -hmm. and it doesn't uh, count as a big detriment on my game but you know there was an article i read recently i think it was from washington post but i'll confirm later that talked about how professional chess players for example yeah. like their coaches require them to make sure that they're eating well getting exercise sleeping well because um when you are physically fit you actually have a more optimal breathing like you can intake more oxygen and the more oxygen you have in your blood the better your brain can function so i would uh, 100 percent support the idea that being healthy will be good for gaming but it's not to say that you need to be the most fit person to excel yeah. at gaming it's like a plus i would say wow that's very very insightful that's good to know most athletes that we interview they get fit through training Right. Mm -hmm. And I know it varies depending on the particular esports because there's so many kinds and it's not the same thing as you said. It It's similar to uh, chess and soccer. So but in terms of your particular field, Hearthstone, how do you usually train? Um, do you do it alone as a team with the coach? And how long does training usually take? So if we're talking about our training routine for Seabull, it was much more intensive than any other tournament I've done before. And for good reason, that was representing the Philippines. So yeah. our schedule was, um, dalawa kaming representatives for the actual team. And then we had mm -hmm. a coach and a manager. But even the coach and manager have played Hearthstone and do play Hearthstone Ooh. very well. So all of us can kind of collaborate. And... For Hearthstone in particular, which is a card game, a very important aspect is preparing your deck list beforehand. And that's a huge part of pre-tournament preparation. So yeah. we would spend, what, seven hours a day <gasps> uh, for... <laughs> Uh, and then we kami mga three times a week to the Brand Esports headquarters for training. But even on our off days, we would you know, play Hearthstone, discuss our deck list and our lineup. And yeah, that was the routine. 
And when it comes to actual training, it's just like jamming games, you know, like you test against your opponent, like friendly matches. And it would be a collaborative effort most of the time. I would say it really helps to have people discuss with you in Hearthstone. And so you have another pair of eyes to catch if the play you made was not optimal. Because in Hearthstone, there are situations where you won't immediately tell if you made the right play or not. Whether you took a line that's 50% favored or 60% favored, and the game won't tell you what the correct line you took was. Unlike, let's say, with Tekken, if you drop your combo, then your character will get punished for it. Uh, In Hearthstone, it's more subjective. So it really helps to have more people to kind of, you know, put our heads together and find out what's really the best. Awesome. And that's actually less intimidating when you say it's a collaborative effort. So because if you when you said seven hours, I was like, wow, that's that's very grueling. But <laughs> that, that's true. You know, it, it, it becomes like a ano ba, parang hangout session then among friends somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, also, Gio, when we look at the demographics of professional gamers, uh, majority are males under the age of 25. So the first myth that we are going to confirm or debunk today is are video games only for millennials or Gen Zs? Does age actually play a role in how long someone's esports career is? So if we look at the average age of pro gamers, it's definitely um, young, uh, like quite young, I would say. I'm not actually yeah. sure how it stacks up to like average age of, like say, traditional sports athletes. Yeah. Um, because with both of these, you peak at your youth, obviously, because even as you grow older, your reflexes will slow down even when it comes to video games. I actually think for Hearthstone, your age probably doesn't play very much of a factor yeah. because, again, you don't need quick movements. Um, but for most other esports, yes, we can see teenagers winning the very top of things. We see people retiring or becoming coaches in their late 20s, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, so. While age is not, um, I, I wouldn't say like if you're 40, you can't play video games. No, that's not true. But yeah. cor- there's a correlation for sure with the most successful um, esports players. So if there's a correlation for age, following that, the second myth that we want to talk about is that esports is mostly for guys. So we're going to delve into this deeper later on. But right now, what are your general thoughts or comments on that? Um, well, it's I can't deny that the industry is mostly populated by men in almost every role, whether it's actual competitors or commentators or people running the tournaments, every aspect yeah. of it, like game developers too. It's all related. Um, that's not to say that women will be disadvantaged in terms of just raw skill of playing any game. That I think is, you know, that's not been proven anywhere. Um, but it remains true that um, it's less encouraging for women to join, I suppose, if they see that, you know, from the very beginning, mas madaming lalaki. So, um, uh, yeah, that's my comments. Sorry, I forgot I wasn't answering a specific question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but but we're gonna go deeper into that later, and I'm excited to go deeper into that. But uh, right now, okay, the next question is, it seems... Well, it seems that the most popular game locally is Mobile Legends, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So I've tried playing it twice before, but never really got the hang of it. So, ano lang, nakita ko yung ano mo kasi, yung, what's this, your video voicing Hearthstone characters. Ang galing. Uh, wow, thank you. <laughs> Novice engineer. 
I hope you like my invention. The light protects me. One shot, one kill. Just me and Mr. Bitey. Pass me that arc-like spanner. Shields up. We must cleanse the sun well. Pay attention, class. I know what you did. Summoning portal open. <sighs> I am not a morning person. I didn't expect it to, you know, blow up a little bit, but... Yeah. That was so good. Do you do voice work, Telega? I don't actually. I mean, I kind of want to, but I don't know how to get into it. But oh my gosh. maybe one okay. day in the future. Sobrang dream job din yon if I could like dub anime awesome. in English or Filipino. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll I mean that that that's before. a different thing. Yeah. yeah. And you said so you good. played ML, right? You play two games more than I have. I've tried yeah. a fat zero <laughs> amount of ML. So. Really? <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so it's just the voices also I can do for ML. Welcome to Mobile Legends. Wise choice. Where do you think you're going? <laughs> Watch your back. Do you know? <laughs> is there actually a recommended duration for gaming? If so, is there uh, what we call too much for gaming? Hmm. Well, I've not seen any like coaches say x amount of hours in a day and stop there that's not yeah. my experience there might be some people who actually have done studies on that but i can't say it objectively yeah. what i do know is that um when i need to stop let's say i've been playing very very long on the hearthstone ranked system when i start getting angry or losing sleep it's wise to stop yeah. but i don't <laughs> always stop it's yeah. always a struggle <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's actually our next question because we wanted to know that since you guys sit uh, through long periods of times, is burnout real for pro gaming um, as fun as it may seem to us spectators? Oh, it's very real, very real. Um, yes, the game on its surface is fun, but sometimes yeah. when you have to repeat the same uh, you know, game over and over, and lalo na kung ayaw mo yung meta or let's say like the trends of a game, uh, a big I'll just digress for a bit because I think it's relevant to the topic. Sure. A big difference with esports and traditional sports is that uh, esports have balance patches every yeah. so often. It can be like as fast as every two weeks, etc. Let's say if basketball, they suddenly made a rule that, oh, it's only four players on the court this time yeah. or this month. And then next month, it's going to be six players on it, something like that. Um, you can't do that in traditional sports, but in esports, the rules change the playable characters change, the strategies change. So if you're in one meta for very long and mm. nothing changes, and let's say you really don't like what is the strongest character right now, and you're forced yeah. to play that over and over just to make sure that you can win the next tournament, it's very, very possible to feel burnout. And you know, with Hearthstone, it's something that happens quite often. Yeah. Um, and on top of just not enjoying the meta, even if you do like a game and let's say you're just um, forcing yourself to play it for many, many hours in a mm -hmm. day, you can just get tired. And yeah. at that point, a lot of gamers just play another game to refresh. <laughs> relate because when I started playing Animal Crossing also, I was playing it for so many hours a day and then I just got tired of it eventually because it's so repetitive. But So I can imagine that for you guys, especially pro gamers. Yeah, I also stopped playing Animal Crossing. Nice. After you finished the last loan, oh. parang wala ka ng gold, di ba? So, wala na, exactly. After finishing your island, wala na. <laughs> well, clearly, 
this, the, the game itself can be tough. It can be tiring too. But I, I think as someone who once dreamt to play um, video games competitively, although I'm not very good, I guess I, I'd like to know too, how tough is it to get into that industry? A lot of people like video games. A lot of people want to be a professional gamer or at the very least make a living out of playing video games. So how easy or difficult is it to achieve that level? I would say it's very difficult, honestly, because as you mentioned, it's a dream job. Nobody's denying that. Many, many people play games just to have fun. So to be able to do that for a career, you can imagine how many would be dreaming of it and um, would aspire to it in some capacity. So there's tons of competition, um, not yeah. just in actual tournaments, but also to gain any role within esports. Yeah. Um, and in order to excel, you not only have to be extremely good at the game, you have to get lucky, just like any mm -hmm. industry, I suppose, like being at the right place at the right time, or maybe you met the right people. It, I mean, networking plays a part, but I can tell you, you're not going to make it if you suck at the game. So at the very least, you have to have a certain skill level at your chosen esport. Yeah. You know, we were going to ask uh, if you can say anything that's enticing about gaming, but I don't think that you have to because like you mentioned, nga, and dami talagang uh, may dream na maging gamer eh. So instead, I'm going to ask, um, is gaming or casting something that someone should consider to actually profit from? Mm, well, as in turn it into a career or yeah. like make any type of profit because like if you're considering joining a tournament for fun and you can potentially profit for that i say go sure one one time it's a great experience and if you like it you can continue but the decision to whether or not pursue esports as a career is very difficult to make i had that struggle myself in college um i have to say for every person the decision varies a little bit because it's yeah. a risk um, it's because there's honestly not that many tournaments mm -hmm. except for very specific games. Yeah. And if you tell yourself, I am going to, you know, devote all of my hours and, yeah. you know, stream all the time, try and make content, it's still not a guaranteed recipe for success yeah. because the real truth is no matter how painful, sometimes even if you work your hardest, sometimes there will be people better than you. And yeah. if you're not in the top percents, then teams will not have a reason to recruit you. So yeah. if you're going to make a decision to pursue pro gaming as a career, I would recommend having a plan B. Yeah. And, um, and also, if you do try to pursue it, you can't half-ass it. It really yeah. needs to be all of your dedication because there's a lot for the same position. Exactly. Yeah, so you guys have to get your safety nets ready in case you're um, considering doing esports to profit from. But yeah, that's setting your expectations right there. So, um, so Gia, the growth of esports worldwide has been massive, especially recently. And we started seeing gamers stream live, and then almost immediately, esports became huge. So, however, the legitimacy of esports as a real sport is still being questioned up until this day. So what do you think about that? Yeah. Honestly, my opinion on this grows a little bit every single day because, you know, at the beginning I was like, yeah, just treat it like a traditional sport because, you know, we have to compete, we need to be disciplined to excel and we need to train to excel. Those are like the core tenets of other sports and you know yeah. we've had chess in the olympics which is not something that traditionally requires like physical conditioning to excel in so why not esports but the more i think about it the more i realize that 
these two industries are not the same. Like one thing mm-hmm. that I mentioned a while ago is, you know, rules change in esports. And the biggest thing is that esports titles are owned by game developers slash game publishers. There's a company behind that. If we're going to okay. look at basketball, nobody owns basketball, the sport. So yeah. in any barangay, you can organize your own league and yeah. you don't need rights or you don't need to pay royalties or anything like that. There is an organizing body, but it's separate from the body that will broadcast it. Like the NBA, Basketball as a Sport, and ESPN are all separate yeah. entities, but within the same industry. Yeah. When it comes to esports, uh, we can take Hearthstone as an example. Um, okay. The game Hearthstone is published by Blizzard Entertainment. The rules for Hearthstone as an esport are set by Blizzard Entertainment. Um, my job, if I'm able to cast, then my talent fee comes from Blizzard Entertainment. Yeah. And if um, they're going to broadcast it, it's going to be on Blizzard social media or yeah. the Hearthstone esports YouTube channel, also owned by Blizzard Entertainment. So it's very, very different in the sense that if you're going to run an esports event of uh, any official caliber, you need to yeah. answer to one organizing body. So what I would like to say is that I think that the respect that you can treat uh, for an athlete, should mm-hmm. a, a traditional sports athlete, should be equivalent to the respect that you afford an esports player. But you can't really sweep everything in like if this type of business model works with traditional sports, it doesn't necessarily mean it will work with esports. Got it. That was very, very well put, Gia. Super. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I think this was a great conversation or like even a, a point of topic for people who want to get into competitive gaming because you de- you dived into how you got into it and how the, co- the current context is, the current scene and how it's usually ran. And uh, although we want to dive into that a little bit more, we want to know more about you too. Our, I guess, athlete GAD. So let's head to the next part of our show, which we call the Athlete's Nook. All right. For this part of the show, Gia, we're going to get to know you. And I'm going to start with a random but telling question, which Uh-oh. is, are you an introvert, an extrovert, or an ambivert? Very easy question. <laughs> uh, I think my last MVTI put me at introvert. So. Ooh, same. <laughs> What's your complete MBTI? The most recent one was like, INTP ata, but I don't know, it changes very often. Yeah. I just take it whenever somebody tweets again, like, oh, what's your MBT? I'm like, okay, update ko ata sa iba na naman. But usually introvert yun. So, yeah. That part is consistent. So cool. Okay, so I asked that because one could assume that since it requires a lot of game time in front of a screen and esports can be intensely solitary for, for some, I guess, um, professional gamers are mostly introverts. But I guess that's also subjective depending on the kind of game. But I still think it's a very telling question. But yeah, Kanina, you told us already how you got into playing video games. But right now, I want to know... Um, how was your transition to playing Hearthstone competitively? Because we also know that Hearthstone was the latest addition to the titles uh, just a few months before the 2019 SEA Games. So how did you come from playing for fun to playing for the Philippines? Mm. So I was already casting full-time before the SEA Games. Like I already considered my career uh, a commentator in Hearthstone. But for Hearthstone, I suppose it's one of the games where to be a really good commentator, you need to be a 
pretty good player as well. Yeah. That's not necessarily true for other esports where like you can play casually, but as long as you can pick up on you know how to hype the player's moves, and you don't necessarily need to be at the best level to um, communicate what's happening to the audience, for example. Yes. But with yeah. Hearthstone, it is very um, tactical and it's not a flashy game. The most interesting parts of the conversation is not who gets their big ultimate move or whatever. It's mm -hmm. um, what is the player thinking at this moment? And it's not like yeah. the player's talking while they strategize. So it's the caster's job in Hearthstone to be able to um, infer what is their strategy yeah. and say that to the audience. So even as a full-time caster, I would consider myself in the top percent of players. And that's mm -hmm. why I was also, um, on top of having won uh, the women's tournament WSOE at the end of yeah. 2018, that's why I was invited to the training pool for Seabull. But at that point, between pro-casting and um, joining Seabolt, it wasn't really a transition. I would say it's more like, okay, this is another big event. This time I'm competing instead of commentating, but very much the same. I need to be at the top of my game. Yeah. The way nice. you describe it, it reminds me very much of poker. Like the way yeah. they're able to watch the players and give some strategy or insight behind it. That's It's cool that you bring that up because I think there's actually a handful of poker players that are interested in Hearthstone every now and then. Ooh. Like there's a guy called Elki that I know he plays Hearthstone. And there's also some chess grandmasters like uh Peter Svidler that are interested in Hearthstone. So you can see that the skill sets kind of overlap a bit. Yeah. For sure. Especially since I think for all three of the stuff that you mentioned, whether it's chess, poker or Hearthstone, strategy really is not at the heart of it. Mm -hmm. So if you like playing strategy games, I think this is really something you should try out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it has varying levels of luck involved, but I mean, all the same, if you make the right decisions, then more of the time you'll get rewarded on a larger sample size of games. Yeah. And you know what? For, for those of you who don't know, we have also gathered, Gia, that you were originally planning to pursue a career in science, um, yes. especially <laughs> since you have a degree in molecular biology. So was that something that you temporarily just put aside for now, or have you decided to completely reroute? Um, I did decide to completely reroute. Um, I want to be in the esports industry for as long as I possibly can. I can't say with 100% certainty that it's going to work out for the long term because bringing up another difference between esports and traditional sports is esports can die. Like specific game titles, if they become yeah. less popular and there's less interest in it, then the company who develops this game and publishes this game might decide that it's not worth it to invest yeah. all this money in yeah. setting up a league, etc. So I'm not, you know, assuming that I can just cast Hearthstone for the rest of my life and then retire. Um, yeah. I want to do it for as long as possible. And of course, I love the game and I try to plug the game at every possible instance so that people can, you know, be more interested and hopefully keep it alive. Uh, but uh, it's that's why also I mentioned that it's good to have a plan B. Mm -hmm. So in my case, I at least have a college degree. I really think it'll be extremely difficult after having taken a long break if I do yeah. have to return to a different field because particularly with um, natural sciences, I think to have a good career, you need to complete your education all the way up to a postgraduate, get a PhD. Yeah. So I have not done that. I am not. I would 
I really don't want to invest more years into finishing a master's degree and a PhD. So I am all in on esports <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> I have a lot of admiration for people who go all in. Mm-hmm. See, East and I were both Polsai. And usually if you take that course, you end up pursuing law school or something yep. of that matter or working for the government. But both of us decided to pursue broadcasting, although it is a pretty risky uh, decision. But because it's our passion to do radio. So I have a lot of admiration for you for doing what you did. And, you know, you have such a, you already have some background in broadcasting. So if ever it doesn't work out, I'm sure that's something we can oh. possibly do moving forward. Am I being recruited? I'm so down. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I mean, same to you guys. I didn't know that your backgrounds are also not related to Broadcom. Yeah. But you guys took the leap. I took the leap. Tignan na lang natin in 10 years kung sinong happy it's sa choices. <laughs> if it wasn't for gaming, what do you see yourself doing now? Is it still in the medic- uh, in the scientific field, uh, medical field? Um, Well, originally, my plan was to become a researcher. So my course, some people treat it as a pre-med, but others go into the academe. So I was thinking that I would, um, like early on in college, I was thinking that I would pursue a master's and PhD. But honestly, I can't imagine myself doing that anymore. So <laughs> if I were not in esports, I think I would still be trying to take a risk in one of these other not so stable, but industries yeah. that I'm passionate about. Uh, I don't know. You guys mentioned that I could be in voice acting. So, ayun, yeah. you, you're a joke. Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> well, when we, when we talk to all the athletes, uh, the guests that we've had so far, one of the common trends they mentioned is they're very active in the community that their sport mm. is in. And although we're not very knowledgeable about this, we are aware that there are certain gaming communities, which also include the Philippine Hearthstone groups. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. And so the Philippine Hearthstone community, as with most other Philippine communities, is mainly on Facebook. Like there's a Hearthstone Philippines page with, I, I can't remember the last count, but it's over 10,000 people. Um, wow. I would say Hearthstone is not a relatively popular sport in the Philippines, unlike ML, where every other person you ask has tried it or downloaded it. That's very and true. <laughs> in the whole of Southeast Asia, mobile games are really where the market is at. Hearthstone yeah. can be played on mobile, but it was originally on PC. Yeah. And so I think games like ML were definitely more well-positioned to be popular. Um, that's not to say that the Hearthstone community here is not active. Like recently, one of my good friends, um, Kara, she mm-hmm. was formerly a pro player, but she transitioned to becoming a community manager for Hearthstone here in the Philippines. And oh, her wow. initiative with AKG Games is starting a lot more local tournaments, um, partnering with local content creators and streamers so that we have more engagement lately. And I think even though um, their plans were definitely re-railed a bit by the pandemic, they're still mm-hmm. doing a good job of reinvigorating interest in Hearthstone. Nice. The future looks so bright for Hearthstone then. Um, now, Gia, you, we were mentioning Kanina casting and streaming. For those who don't know, what's the difference between the two? Yeah, so um, what I do commentating is like, mm-hmm. um, it's a position that you get hired for as talent, either on an event basis or just for a long-term contract to talk about a game and provide your analysis for it. So like when you watch yeah. basketball, there's people calling the plays, calling who earned this many points, and explaining the strategies. That's my job. 
Um, yeah. But for Hearthstone, I don't know anything about <laughs> basketball. Um, um, for streaming, this is something that people can do on an individual basis. So no matter who you are, as long as you have like a webcam, an internet connection, and the ability to broadcast your game, there are many platforms that you can sign up for and stream on, yeah. Twitch being the most popular one. There's many others, like Facebook is on in on gaming right now, YouTube, and then there's some other ones as well. And there are people who stream part-time just as a side gig and people who stream full-time and do make an income from either the platform itself or donations that the viewers can give individually. Yeah. And oftentimes streamers are not playing in um, professional competitions while they play. They can just like interact with their chat and explain like, oh, I'm playing a random game on ladder. They can stream competition sometimes, but more often than not, it is just um, the content you're looking for when you watch a streamer is more about their personality and what kind of reactions they bring to the game or you're trying to learn how they play to get better. Got it. So parang caster can also be called commentator when it comes to sports. Parang yeah. ganon, no? Okay. So uh, we've also seen, especially during the quarantine, we've seen the emergence of game streamers as well uh, these past few years. So you've personally been casting for years. Um, and we wanted to ask, is an investment in equipment necessary for that? Or we more or less have an idea what gaming equipment costs, which is a lot. But can you enlighten our viewers on uh, estimates? For casting specifically, um, it depends because a lot of the time, like if you're going to go to an event and you're hired as a caster, then the event yeah. producer should provide all of the equipment, the headset, etc., and the camera. Yeah. But if you're planning on working from home and yeah. whoever hired you is not willing to send you that equipment, then yes, you will have to. And Laluna, if you're going to try um, just casting by yourself, not professionally yet, to like build yeah. a portfolio or say, here, can you hire me? This is um, my experience, or you can listen to a demo then I would recommend you do get, at the very least, a good mic and a good camera. And for streaming, it's absolutely required to have a good setup, I would say. So, you know, a lot. <laughs> the answer is, it costs a lot. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. You can buy secondhand <laughs> things. There are many groups also, like, in Facebook that sell secondhand items. I think Ooh. it's not um, super expensive unless you yeah. want to get all of the most high-end equipment. True. Yeah, I think it's all about picking your spots. And you certainly picked the right spot, starting off from a coffee shop in Saberville and eventually going into competitions. And I believe your first one was in 2018. And almost right away, you got to win your first tournament at WSOE 2 and 5 for Hearthstone. So starting, starting at 2018 and jumping straight on these competitions, maybe you can walk us a little bit through what international competitions are like. Mm. Right. So... WSOE2 was indeed my first major tournament, I would say, because before that, I was mostly casting or just playing in our little board game cafe. Mm -hmm. um, the experience in playing abroad is very, very invigorating, I would say, because it feels so legit, right? It, yeah. Something about being able to travel and meet people from all over the globe who all have the same goal as you puts this enormous amount of pressure but at the same time because <laughs> you really feel like dang i made it so that's how yeah. i felt when playing in wsoe for the first time 
um, that particular tournament happened like the day after a major balance patch, which nobody knew about. So that was another layer of chaos. Yeah. And and a lot of my um, fellow competitors are women that I had made friends with before either meeting them at other tournaments or just like um, online because a lot yeah. of them were streamers. And in the Hearthstone community, we all kind of know each other one way or another. It was, you know friendly competition but it doesn't mean it wasn't fierce competition yeah it sounds like a lot of fun but uh, clearly just by wsoe itself which is an all-women tournament we can tell that there's a lot of a good number of female gamers out there all over the world so we wanted to talk about that now when talking about the general game playing population uh, there's a pretty good number of female players but when it comes to pro gaming dito na nagkakatalo because research estimates only 5% of female pro gamers around so why do you think this is hmm. well there that's a very very like it's a whole can of worms to open right this conversation <laughs> comes up a whole lot um, my best guess is that when the esports industry started the most um passionate people about video games tended to be men. So yeah. it started with men. As the industry snowballed, it was still mostly men. And as it got bigger and bigger, it's still mostly men. Yeah. Um, that's not to say that I think that esports has directly been banning women or like discouraging us from competing. But I would say the biggest reason is just that it started that way. And, you know, nobody made active efforts to try and... Uh, create more representation early on and yeah. so it has remained that way yeah got it and it's really hard to just change the status quo so that's a very good point yeah and yes. to rephrase a bit when i say nobody has actively discouraged women i mean um the major organizations you'll never find it yeah. in a rule book that says like you know this tournament is for men only yeah. or like this game it's like it doesn't um separate by genders but it definitely is true that certain members of the community or like people that you meet online a lot of them or like a handful i don't know how how many but there are very toxic people that will actively discourage women i'm just saying that like it's not an organizational ban it's just yeah. kind of like a symptom that appeared yeah Go yeah ahead. And you also raised a good point, Kanina Nganaman. It's hard to get into something when most of the people doing that thing are from the opposite gender. It's not really a hindrance for some like you, but I can see a lot of women being uncomfortable with the fact that if you try to get into it, it's going to be all men. Majority of it are men right there. So, you know, when you think of video games in general, especially when they go to the computer shops, it's just mostly boys. Automatically, you think of it as a boys club. And that can be a reason for discouragement when it comes to female gamers. But you personally, have you ever directly experienced being underestimated or discriminated for being a female in the gaming community? Well, a lot of the time it happens from people that don't have faces. Like it's online people, anonymous people that will say the most blatantly sexist things. Yeah. It happens to me very rarely in person, I would say. And if it does happen in person, it's not in the most easily identifiable ways mm -hmm. like um for example there was a time that i cast an event in korea with three male co-casters and then the next event that that company organized um 
the only ones who got invited back were my three male co-casters. And I don't think I did a bad job at the time. So mm-hmm. that type of situation, you yeah. can't immediately call it that sexism because it's possible that I just didn't do as well as the other three. But yeah. I kind of wonder because personally, I think I did well. So it kind of manifests more like that where it's not so blatant, pero mapapa double take ka. And yeah. you need to really consider is this discrimination or is it something else? When it comes to actual like trolls saying like women suck at games, go back to the kitchen, etc., etc., you're gonna find that in random chats or if you queue up a random game in an FPS and you're in voice com, that type yeah. of thing. In the yeah. actual industry, it's a lot more subtle. Yeah. yeah. Got it. And I'm rolling my eyes at those comments <laughs> by trolls. <laughs> but yeah, we can also imagine the possibility or probability of harassment in the game community, you know. But how does one actually fight through this and prove that female gamers are also respectable and capable of competing with or against the male majority? I think that to be completely realistic about it, yeah. the atmosphere that allows these trolls to feel comfortable continue making these comments is not going to change unless there are you know men and women actively yeah. trying to say that that's wrong that's not yep. acceptable and you should be banned from this game i think that a major step would be all of these um game publishers just more actively monitoring their chats and their voice comms they should be quicker to ban people if there are yeah. reports of harassment there shouldn't be second chances by that point yep and uh but that's kind of more like a band-aid solution you know what i mean in that you just excise the trolls from the community rather than telling the trolls that this way of thinking is not good and actually mm-hmm. teaching them to become you know um uh, more in favor of gender equality to change that, I don't know how it happens, but I feel like women just need to put out more good results, which has happened in certain games with Hearthstone, for example. Yeah. Our most recent champion of the global finals is a woman. That was huge, extremely yeah. historic. Yeah. But it's just a drop in the bucket, I would say. And it will happen over time. Very, I hope not as slowly as I think, but it starts with Ayungat better moderation and maybe just encouraging more women into the scene so that people can normalize the idea of playing with a girl it shouldn't be a novel thing yep it, it, it's great that they have you such a good role model to represent the, the gender in general because as you've said there really is inherent biases and it's not just the people that it's in the system itself the fact that it keeps popping up so thank you for being such a good representative uh, in terms of Hearthstone in the Philippines and internationally. And um, you know, a lot of people know you because aside from just competing, you also do casting. So Seguro, I'd also like to know personally, what was the weirdest fan interaction you've had so far? Fan interaction? Uh, like in person? Because I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like I have, you know, fans in the way na parang lalapitan ka lang in general. It's more like, let's say I go to a Hearthstone event, maybe a person will ask for a picture, but it's not yeah. like they're saying that I'm your big fan. It's more like, you know, everybody still feels like a friend when it comes yeah. to an online, I, I mean, an in-person competition. But I guess there have been like weird DMs <laughs> or something. Um, 
And I think it's mostly the fault of like trying to translate from a different language into English and something got lost there. Like I got a DM the other day that said, hey, I think you make Hearthstone sticky. Keep it up. And what? like, sticky? <laughs> As in, okay, I didn't want to, you know, think about it that hard. Yeah. But, you know, that type of thing. It's more like <laughs> random messages here yeah. and there. And I don't think the person meant any harm, but yeah. it's just funny. Benefit of the yeah. doubt that translation, siguro yon. Yeah. Lost in yeah, translation. <laughs> the benefit of the doubt. And I guess if you're going to be a, a famous woman in this community, you, you might have to worry about these DMs too, right? But if there are women who want to get into gaming or competitive gaming, um, are there any communities that they can join or maybe a place they can go to try it out? Um, well, I'm only really familiar with Hearthstone. I can't speak for other games, sadly. But like for Hearthstone, there is uh, a semi-formal organization called Badass Women of Hearthstone, which is started wow. by her, her battle tag It was Toast the Badger. Actually, the person who started this organization passed away a few oh. years ago but it's her memory lives on and yeah. other you know women in the community continue to hold tournaments for us so there's a discord server for that i think nice. on facebook like kara invited me to a group called gamer girls philippines so if there are any women out there who you know would feel more comfortable starting in an all-female space or just not being overwhelmed by male presence these spaces exist and i would really encourage even just asking any woman you know that's into gaming to introduce you to that that's so good to know uh what would you call that gamer girls philippines yeah something like that okay so we have to check that out and for those of you who want to get into gaming you guys should definitely check it out um we're gonna move on now gia to um to team seaball so Seaball was just named the national esports team also a few months before the 2019 Sea Games, where esports also debuted. So firstly, can you tell us about Seaball and your teammates? Um, okay, so Seaball was formed um, either by invites or through qualifications. Yeah. And then from our training pool, the uh, players who won their respective tournaments made it to the final roster. And it covered six esports titles, the ones mm -hmm. you mentioned a while ago. The Hearthstone team is quite small because there was only two slots for the final competitors in the SEA game. So that was me and my teammate, Waning Moon. Our yeah. coach is Chalk and our manager is Pompey. And all four of us knew each other for a few <laughs> years prior because yeah. the Hearthstone community in the Philippines is rather tight. So, have you met your other other teammates, like others outside of Hearthstone in Team Seaball? I have met them in very oh. casual settings. Just like um, when we had our media days, for example, we were shooting the commercials and the mga photo shoot na pang billboard. Oh my god, I saw my face on so many <laughs> places. I did not expect to see my face. <laughs> And then they always wanted to feature me because I think I was the only girl. I, yeah. I think that's why they wanted to feature me more prominently. So that the Hearthstone team did not get a medal. But yes, our other teammates <laughs> in the other games are very, very talented. We got the gold in ML. We got the gold in Dota. We got the gold in StarCraft. And then bronze and silver in Tekken. It was very impressive. Awesome. Yeah. Now, for what it's worth, Gia, I think you made the country proud. You and your entire team, you did a very good job representing our country uh, during the SEA Games. And I, I think just the sheer fact that esports was able to be part of the 2019 SEA Games further legitimizes it 
as an industry and as a sport per se. So um, how did you feel to be part of that historic moment? Ah, um, well, thank you for making me feel better about not getting a medal. <laughs> I felt, you know, so honored. It's not um, a very common thing to have esports elevated to the level and sense of credibility that traditional sports have. Before that, there was esports at the Asian Games. Um, but it was not a medal event. It was a demonstration event. And um, as far as I'm aware, even in other continents, they don't have Olympic-style events with esports. So you can say that SEA was spearheading that to some extent. And on top of that, representing the Philippines, I mean, I never thought that it would I, that I would get to this point from playing Hearthstone casually in my bedroom <laughs> to representing the Philippines. It just felt very surreal, and I'm yeah. so grateful that I was part of that experience. And also. You know, even if it wasn't me, I, w I was very glad that there was a woman on the team. Like, even if it weren't me, I would be very happy. The fact that it's me in particular, it's kind of like additional pressure. But I also feel confident that I can speak on women's issues in esports um, objectively. Yes. <laughs> now, one of the positive things about having esports in the SEA Games is the turnout for your competitions was crazy. So I don't think we really need to ask about the interest of Pinoy's in the sport, but what about the support you program for your pro gamers are getting from the governing bodies? Are, are, are the Philippine government or maybe the Athletics Association helping you guys out? Um, for the SEA Games, I think our primary sponsor was actually uh, PLDT Smart plus mm -hmm. EV5 was our main media partner. I am not sure how much of the support came directly from government funds so yeah I, yeah i can't really speak on that but i will say that there was also some support from actual like some of the actual game titles for example they when they were presented with the proposition that you know we can have your game on an olympic style stage yeah. they did send some support Awesome. But I, I'm not aware of government bodies. Yeah. So, well, that's more than good enough. But in, um, uh, now I wanted to ask Gianos, throughout your journey um, in esports and being a caster, have you ever actually been discouraged from pursuing this career? And you can, can you tell us more about it if yes? Um, actually, I can't even remember a time. I've been really lucky, you know, because right what? from the start, one of the... One of the most common stereotypes is those parents who say that video games are a complete waste of time, yeah. etc. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think that even parents like that, it comes from a place of concern, right? But I have really been lucky that my parents knew that I love video games from a very young age. And they always trusted me to be able to balance my... Um, my hobbies in gaming yeah. or even like when i would go abroad for casting while i was still studying they would just say as long as you feel like you can handle it then we trust you and if you need any help let us know so ang bait -bait oh. ng parents ko. i mean they the only time that i suppose they got a bit worried was when i was having some trouble with my thesis and i had to give up a gaming event they, they told yeah. me like it's even okay if you get delayed and don't graduate on time but we would prefer if you graduate instead of, yeah. you know, throwing away the four years. So, of course, I did want to graduate. I did get delayed a little bit in the end, but it's not like my parents were mad at me or anything. Yeah. So, 
there was not that discouragement. And in terms of the local Hearthstone community and the people I've met in person ever since I started working in casting, they've been nothing but supportive. It's really just random trolls that would ever <laughs> get you down. <laughs> yeah. Mock keyboard warriors talaga. But I, can I just say that I already love your parents. <laughs> so, kudos to them. Yeah. <laughs> Sana all. Oi, mommy, daddy. That's how you do it. No, I'm kidding. My mom, my parents have been super supportive too. I'm very, very lucky. And you emphasize lucky. You consider yourself very lucky to be able to do something that you love and something that you consider as fun and very hard to get into. But when you take something that's supposed to be fun and turn it into something like carrying the Philippine flag and competing for the country, that much pressure, does it take away the fun of gaming for you? Mm. Well, there was some aspect of burnout. Like uh, during the time itself, I was definitely more focused on winning than having fun. I don't yeah. think that's a bad thing. It's mm -hmm. that's a tournament, right? The primary goal is to show that you prepared the best. And sometimes the feeling of reward for your hard work can trump the feeling of pure enjoyment, if you know what I mean. But it doesn't mean like the game is permanently unfun after you associate that experience with it. I mean, I'm still playing Hearthstone. I'm still working on Hearthstone. Yeah. And it's still fun to me. It's just like there are certain um, certain events where maybe the fun takes a backseat to the um, obligation of proving that you deserve to be there. Yeah, got it. Well explained. Now, um, also, we were talking, Kanina, about the government and all that government support but right now it has just been announced that the philippine esports organization or peso has just recently been been accredited as an associate member of the philippine olympic committee or the poc so what do you think this means uh for you and for the future of esports to actually have an nsa that's really good i mean um first off for visibility is another thing like mainly yeah. the sea games was i think what propelled esports to just national awareness but now that we have a governing body i will definitely expect that there's going to be even more um like say websites or just places to find information about what this industry is why it should be respected because like even at the very beginning of this interview right it's fair to say that many people are lay people and don't know the yes. basics about yeah. esports so now we have a governing body that can compile this type of information into easily reachable platforms and then on top of that now we have um some organization that can really set the regulations because prior to this I, I think it's fair to say um that somebody hoping to enter the esports industry doesn't necessarily know the steps to take um yeah. how should they like do they need to be accredited that varies from country to country but we'll be having our own standard set and it really ultimately just lends legitimacy like yeah like even me when I have to say travel for an event and then if you fill out my immigration card, right, and there's something under occupation, na ilang ako to put like esports broadcaster because it yeah. doesn't sound like a real thing, you know what? <laughs> but with an organization and with constant information that they um, feed to the public, I think it does just become more and more of a concrete career plan we can expect esports to get even bigger in the next few years for sure absolutely the future is bright 
very, very bright. And people can say what they want about esports, but they're still denying the hard work and talent our athletes have, our e-athletes have, and the amount of time they put into it. Who, so whatever. Who's denying can... that? <laughs> who's well, denying that? But... <laughs> So that's what I said. There's no denying that. No, it, it, it's hard. Like it, I have a lot of respect for people uh, who excel at video games, and especially people who do it competitively. It's not easy to get into, as you've expounded earlier. And it's it takes so much time to get into, to be good at talent and skill and knowledge. And it is a professional, legit career. And Seguro, for um, a lot of people who are watching this, probably want to get into professional gaming. And a lot of the hindrances that they get before they get into it are their parents and their mommies who keep telling them na anak kaho computer mo kasi yan, tama na. So if you can speak to those moms out there who discourage their children to get into competitive gaming, what can you say to them? Well, first of all, I think the parents that say that type of thing, it's all coming from a good place, right? And I think it's very fair to say that it, it, there needs to be moderation for how much gaming you do while you're still in school. I think the amount of time is subjective from person to person because there are some kids who, you know, are able to get good grades even though they spend time on their hobbies. So, nasa discarte ng parents yan to see that if they feel that it is actively being harmful. But in order to make that judgment fairly, I would just encourage these parents to communicate with their child. Figure out what is the game. Is it actually something that's, you know, instilling toxic behaviors? Because there are certain communities that, like, let's say you're an eight-year-old girl, you you play Valorant for the first time, you get on voice comms, somebody tells you, oh, you're a girl, you must suck. Then yeah. that can be something potentially harmful in the future. So from a parent's perspective, I would just ask them to ask their child. Um, are you meeting people on this platform? Are they being nice to you? What kind of things do you experience? And from there, you get to you know, develop a better judgment of whether this game is helpful or not. Um, yeah. Just keep an open mind, right? For some people, it can become a career. For some people, it can be a distraction. But in order to find out the difference, you really need yeah. to you know, try your best to understand your child and why is it that they find this so fun and engaging. There are parents yeah. who might also enjoy the game. For example, yung kuya ko and my dad, they sometimes watch competitive StarCraft together. That's very yeah. nice. Like, it can be a bonding Aww. thing. You can yeah. play some games with your parents. So as long as they're comfortable speaking to each other about it, that's the most important thing. Ganda. You have to open your minds and uh, communicate. Can I say, I think it, it boils down personally on on it being legitimized because if you think about it chess because my parents like chess they teach me how to play my dad my dad taught me how to play uh i i used to play a lot even competitively at one at some point and you know chess uh, the way i see it, it isn't really different from hearthstone because it's all about uh using your tactics and um finding a way to overcome the strategy of your opponent but the reason why they get so much support is because it's legitimized by the community and legitimized by the governing bodies so I don't think that makes video games any different too. It's just really a matter of reaching a point in time where people can collectively say that this is something that should be legit and this is something that should be acknowledged for competitions and as a sport. Ganda. Naingit naman ako sa inyo. Dapat may ganyan din ako. 
prep. But yeah, okay, Gia, before closing, we know you've been busy and esports is one of the sports fortunate enough to still have competitions online somehow. So you were able to also cast, you were telling us earlier about Hearthstone Grandmasters 2020 uh, season one a few months ago. And you also, I saw you have a show with uh, Hearthstone um, called, what's that? Mullet Over. Hello and welcome to another Mullet Over, a Hearthstone review show where we discuss key early game decisions by the Grandmasters, starting from the Mulligan. I wouldn't, really, yeah. I wouldn't really call it a show, more as like su- supporting content. Like all of all six okay. of us casters work on some supplementary content for Grandmasters. So on Grandmasters, you watch the 48 best Hearthstone players in the world go at it every weekend. And... There's a segment called Top 5 Moments, which my co-caster Dara candles. My segment is called Mullet Over. It's more of an analytical piece. So it's for people Mm -hmm. who actually do play Hearthstone and want to improve in the early game. Um, And then there's also like a debate segment about like, you know, controversial opinions on the scene called Hot Takes. But those are really more like extra tidbits. And the thing you should really watch is Hearthstone Grandmasters itself. We're live every Friday, Saturday, Sunday at 5 p.m. Philippine time. Friday, For people watching. Yeah. Uh, sorry. On, on YouTube. Okay. Hearthstone Esports okay. YouTube. Yeah. There you go. All right. So uh, uh, aside from Grandmasters, Gia, are, is there anything else that you want to kind of promote or ask people to watch? <laughs> Uh, next month, the new season of Haikyuu is out. I highly recommend watching it, but I'm not sponsored in any way. I just love anime. Um, but yeah, the really thing, the only thing that I'm doing regularly is Hearthstone Grandmasters. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Uh, so if anything, what else do you see or anticipate happening in the future of esports? Because right now, you guys are creating new channels on YouTube. You're creating other channels of promoting the sports, Hearthstone and esports in general. So how does the future look? Um, I mean, the future looks bright. Every article and business analysis I've seen just has the chart going up, 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 up in terms of viewership and, you know, revenue. And there's plenty of companies these days that are interested in investing. Like we have the Nationals here in the Philippines, which is a franchise based league. So there's already companies that are buying esports teams like the same way how you have you know um teams in the nba owned by certain companies you can have teams playing in esports leagues uh, supported and backed by certain sponsors so i expect that to get bigger in the coming years and i suppose the topic on everybody's minds is will there be esports in the next olympics that i don't know um maybe it's gonna be 10 years from now or 20 years from now but i hope it's within my lifetime and i see that as the next biggest step for sure that's that's very exciting and we also are gonna look forward to esports being in the olympics okay gia do you have any uh, message for supporters or anyone you want to say hello to um, thank you. I suppose sobrang daldal ko when you ask me these open-ended questions. I'll just go on and on. So thank you for anybody who stuck around this whole time. Um, I hope everybody is staying safe and not leaving the house unless they need to. Um, that's what gaming is for, guys. Instead of partying or going out in uh, restaurants, if you can make your meals at home and have fun at home, it's going to be to everybody's benefit so we can get through this pandemic faster. And thank you. That's all. Can Stay I just... <laughs> you did you did an amazing job and we're, you don't have to apologize because you were an amazing guest. 
Uh, you were oh, so insightful, so, so eloquent, and Hearthstone is very lucky to have you as a caster for them. Angaleng, and yeah, we're really so thankful. Yeah, you know what, Gio? We should have. Ay, nako, if we had more time, uh, there are so many things that I wanted to discuss. I wanted to delve uh, deeper pa nga into the whole females <laughs> in the gaming community, but I guess we'll have time for that next time. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for your time today, Gia. And we do hope to see you in action virtually or in person someday after this quarantine. But for now, we'll, we'll be in touch. Where can we find you online? Um, I'm most active on Twitter, probably Twitter. Oh, well, at Gia D underscore, um, because Gia underscore D was taken. It's oh. mostly Hearthstone content. So if you don't actually play the game, maybe you can pass on following that. And then on my Facebook, I tweet about, I, I post about Hearthstone Grandmasters going live. So all of my updates, etc. So at GAD Gaming on Facebook. Awesome. And so there you go. Well, we'll definitely keep in touch and keep updated with you, Gia. But thank you again for joining us today for the very, very insightful conversation. Thank you. Thank you guys for having so me. Fun, Gia. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. There you go. All right, Mike, another uh, uh, exceptional guest, a guest athlete, and another exceptional uh, show for me for sure because as we mentioned earlier, I came into this show as a layman talaga, not knowing yeah. much about sports. So that's very awesome. It was a very insightful conversation with, with Gia. Absolutely. I appreciate how she's able to provide so many perspectives, not only from the gender side of it, but also the esports side of it. So, and we couldn't have asked for a better guest. She was so smart, so eloquent, and she knew her stuff. Definitely. So we got very, very lucky. Yeah. So there you have it, guys. If you want to catch this episode or, or past ep episodes, you can check that out on Facebook, Spotify. Twitter, Instagram, at the Sports Nook PH. <laughs> We're also on radio. Yeah, portions of the interview will be airing at Q8105.1. So make sure to check that out on your radio or you can stream it online too on our website. This has been Isa Chong. And this has been Mike Valera. Thank you so much for keeping us here. And uh, we'll see you soon for the next episode of the Sports Nook PH. See ya.